death changed their whole approach to life because of having looked at death and you know sort of I say walking with death on my shoulder like at every moment this might be my last breath and that has a way of honing everything do you know what's important in life what's relevant mm -hmm. absolutely it gives huge perspective and great perspective they couldn't continue living the way that they were living you know because recognizing yes death is going to come and you know for any for any of us it could be any moment um so what's important in my living in today's busy world how can we find the inspiration knowledge and energy to live a healthy and empowered life if we balance and harmonize our mind exercise our body live according to the laws of nature and connect to spirit can we find a way to heal become our authentic self and live our purpose with love i am your hostess amy fournier and welcome back to awakening aphrodite Welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. This show is about helping you be more healthy and fit in mind, body, and spirit, as well as harmonize your masculine and feminine energy, tap into your intuition, your true source of power, and awaken your authentic self. I found today's guest in one of the courses that I'm taking online. I was immediately drawn into her life story, and she basically is living in Ireland on a self-made retreat farm that she started, communing with the land and running her workshops and just living a simple, happy life, which sounds exactly like something I'd like to do. So I reached out to her, and she graciously agreed to be on the show, and I'm, I'm just thrilled to introduce you to my guest, Moya McKinley. She says that she strives to live a simple life in harmony with nature and the world around her. Her work is all about remembering our innate nature and our ability to live in harmony with all of life and the earth and how to be open to our spiritual nature. For Moya, the spirit permeates all physical existence, and she feels that when we live in this harmonious way, every moment of life becomes precious and sacred. Moya is also a registered general nurse and has worked as a nurse in complementary therapies such as specialist palliative care service and others. She holds a degree in social science and diplomas in aromatherapy, holistic massage, and life coaching and is also a Reiki master. She completed a year-long shamanic apprenticeship with a Native American medicine woman and has also completed an advanced program in shamanic healing practices. She has worked with youth in education and the health sectors. Today's episode is really beautiful, especially if you're someone who loves nature and is more interested in communing with the land. We talk about many important things, including the importance of following energy, and how to be heart-based, how to cultivate a relationship with the land, and how important it is to have a reciprocal relationship, as in all relationships need to be reciprocal, but the land is no different. The importance of listening to the land and how when Moya started actually doing that, it resulted in her, in her creating a beautiful triple spiral labyrinth on her property, as well as a sacred fire pit. Moya talks to us about how we are the ancestors of the future. And because of that, we need to really be good stewards of the land. 
the importance of daydreaming and how it helps us download and get messages from the divine in our higher self. How the key to accessing your spiritual nature is to go through the body. We don't ignore the body. That's why taking care of your body and your physical needs are very, very important and not to be overlooked. And then I asked Moya about some really key Celtic traditions, such as the Sowen tradition, which is basically like our Halloween and how during that time, the veil between the spirit world and the physical world is very, very thin. So we talk about the history of that tradition. And that gets us into Moya's work, working with death. She has a program where she helps people understand death and the transition and the gifts and the process of the dying experience, which we all go through. The importance of finding what moves you and what you feel enthusiastic about. And then we talk about attachment, suffering, and acceptance to ultimately get to that unconditional highest spiritual vibrational state that we're all ultimately grasping for, whether we know it or not. You're going to love this episode. And if you'd like to support me in the show, the best way to do that is to not only subscribe, but share it with your friend and leave a review. If you would just take two minutes and leave a quick review on Apple iTunes, it's truly the way to help support me in the show. You can also check out my website, amyfornier.com, and check out my recommended products, which are things that I use personally and love every single day. And you'll find discount coupons there for you to get your own so we can be healthy and happy and awakened together. Let's now join Moya McKinley. And welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. Today, my guest is Moya McKinley. Moya, welcome to the show. Thank you, Amy. So lovely to be here with you. And uh, you're in Ireland right now, right? Yes, we are. And it's pouring rain. Is it? <laughs> Typical it actually, Ireland. It was raining here this morning, too. Uh -huh. So where in Ireland rainy. are you? I'm in the northwest of Ireland. So I'm sort of on the borders of Leitrim and Sligo. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And you obviously grew up there by your accent, we can tell. <laughs> yeah, I'm Irish through and through. All right. Now, your dad was a forester, right? That's right. Yes. So, so tell us about that. I mean, that just must be such an interesting experience growing up with a dad that was communing with the land and the yeah. trees. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, it must have been a foundation for the work you're doing now. Yeah, I think, you know, as a wee child, that was my comfort zone was being out in nature and being surrounded by nature and animals. Um, and that's partly from my dad, you know, but I think here in Ireland, we're, we're much more connected with the land and with nature. Um, but yes, my dad was a forester and managed a number of beautiful forest parks. So I grew up, you know, as my playground, really running through the trees and doing all of that. And then my dad was also very sympathetic to animals. So regularly would come home with stray pups and cats and mice we had pet mice as children so little creatures that needed homes were sort of brought home through dad so yeah oh that's so nice and how about mom mom's a primary school teacher she's retired now but yeah she was a primary school teacher and um, principal teacher and taught me <laughs> so that was interesting <laughs> well yes. you're obviously a combination of the two of them then 
absolutely if your life and it's works. interesting because where i live now mum was from mayo originally and dad would have been donegal so i'm nestled between the two locations where i'm actually living now yeah uh-huh wow that's great so in researching you for the show moya you know i reached out to you uh it was just so i felt such an a kinship with your mindset where, you know, uh, the way that you view the really kind of like the meaning of life and the importance of you communing with nature and animals and wanting to, I don't know, I'd like you to obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but for what I could understand by my research, you wanted to live in a way that was more in harmony with nature. So you moved and got yourself a little homestead, if you will, and have learned to commune with the land. Can you fill us in on all that and correct anything I got wrong there, please? Yeah, I know it's fairly accurate, Amy. Um, and I suppose just a wee bit of a background, like I come from a very traditional upbringing here in Ireland. Um, and things like communing with the land or speaking with animals just wouldn't fit into the mindset of even my own background, my own traditions. So, you know, you're sort of um, stepping into something that in a way found me, you know, to be perfectly honest with it. It was, you know, the animals found me and started asking me, I suppose, to use this gift. Um, and as I say, you know, as a child and growing up, I had that empathy and sensitivity and intuitive ability to connect with animals. Um, but I didn't know that it was any different. You know, I sort of assumed as a young child, you assume that everybody can do this. So it wasn't into my latter years that you sort of go, oh, okay, there's, there's something slightly different here. And then, as I say, it was really the animals that found me. And, you know, I tend to follow energy. That may sound strange, but it's when energy asks of me, then I pursue. You know, and that's the way I work. So, you know, even people who are very business minded can't get their head around that, that, you know, I don't have my business plan. It's, it's when energy, when I get a request, when I get an ask, that's when I go, okay, this is something that, you know, if it resonates with me, this is something that I'm supposed to be doing and I go down that path. Um, so over the years, many, many different jobs, but my last job, you know, I was working in the health service, loved the work that I was doing, but the system, I, I yeah, I didn't like the systemic nature of the work. You know, the way that staff were, were treated and not treated well. Is that um, when you were a nurse, like in? Well, my last job of... in nursing was in palliative care. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a wonderful service and I have to say beautiful service here in Ireland. But we go back to systemic issues in all of our big organizations, particularly our statutory organizations. Um, and it just was time. I, I had this push to it's time to move, you know, so I sort of looked. I was living over on the east coast of Ireland then and I started looking, looking for somewhere that I could move to countryside and, you know, a wee bit of land somewhere. And I just had a wander around. And when I came here, I was like, okay. So it's a small wee cottage, um, you know, the old style Irish cottage, which are originally three rooms. Now there's an extension on the back of this one um, on four acres of land. Oh, that um, sounds great. Yeah. So, you know, when I come here, probably a little bit run down and the land was very neglected, but you know, that didn't, you know, to me, it was even, it was named like, you know, not good land and bad land. And, oh gosh, that just, 
Yeah. Yes, no, this is a beautiful land. Like for me, it was just beautiful land and filled with potential. Um, so arrived here, I did a wee bit of a job on the cottage, you know, because it needed a little bit of work. Um, and then it was, you know, for me, it was the outside space that was so important. So okay. out and the first winter that I was here was planting trees because that was so important to me. It's get our native trees. Um, in the area of Ireland that I live in, there's a lot of Sitka spruce being planted, which is a non-native. It's it's basically as a, a forestry a production. You know, it's a it's a material to be mass harvested later down. But they're they're non-native. You know, none of our native animals or flora and fauna can survive in these Sitkas, you know, spruce plantations. So for me, it was really important to get our native trees back on the land. Um, so yeah, there's a wee pocket of, of native trees here and, you know, gradually extending. So that's good. Yeah. We just have so much in common because this is what I'm manifesting now for the last almost three years. I've been so excited wow. to find my healing ranch. Moya, I know it's out there and I will remain optimistic. Um, I have five real estate agents because <laughs> I'm looking in different states and I have different very... Areas. I have very uh, specific criteria of what I need because like you, I want to live and work there and I want it to be a healing ranch where people come and uh, do workshops with me and I teach all the things that I've learned and we just, and I, and I give, I hold space for them to come and get out of the crazy and get back in touch with themselves. So because of that, the land is more important than the house. And yes. just between you and me and the goalpost. Some of my realtors don't get this because when they send me stuff, they're like, the house has tile and this. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't want to live in like a box, but, <laughs> you know, the land is going to, I mean, it's not even like the land's going to be my partner. The land is, is it. I mean, the land's going to heal me. Like, you know, so that's more important than anything else. And this is part of why it's taken me three years because yeah. I, I kind of feel, Moya, like when I, and I've looked at a lot of properties, when, I, when I'm there, I'm going to feel it. It's going to talk to me. So yeah. it sounds like that's kind of where, where you were at with your land. It was. Your and I was smiling when you say that because the estate agents here were the very same. Amy, and they couldn't understand. Uh -huh. Like I had my wellies in the car, you know, our Wellington yeah, boots. Your boots. Your um, boots. My uh -huh. boots. So uh -huh. it was like, oh, yeah, there's the house. I was off down the fields. Me <laughs> too. Like, I remember there was one day it was pouring rain uh, and, the, and the realtor was like, I'll stay in the house. I'm like, well, I'm walking the perimeter. So see ya. <laughs> yeah. It was a real unfolding with the land as well. Like, that's what I noticed here. Like, you know, even the land wasn't totally welcoming at first, Amy. Now, it wasn't ah. unwelcoming, but there was a... Oh, I don't know, sort of, and, and very much not to bring people too soon to the land. Maybe not trusting you. Yeah, well, just I, for me, it was about building a relationship. It yeah. was starting mm. to relate with and to the land and having those conversations. And I walked the land here every single day and it was about, ah, okay. And there were some beautiful moments, you know, I remember one time just being out there and just weeping in sheer gratitude, like, oh. I just love this earth. And there was just this uprising from the earth itself. And it was like, we were waiting for you. Oh, and there's just these reciprocal moments that, you know, in our busy life, we can miss, you know, but if we take a wee bit of time and space and be open to actually listening and hearing those messages. Um, 
And then like, and even people who are here on the land very early and have visited again, they, they are just amazed. It is transformed. It is just, it's like it's opened its arms wide and went right, yeah, now I'm ready. And now we can embrace and welcome. But it takes, it took, you know, that relationship. For me, it's very important. We don't just bumble in and expect any being to, you know, be at our service. That's not what it's about. Um, it's about having a relationship, starting to tend to the land, listening to the land. What does the land want? Not what I want to do to the land. What does the land want of me? How does it want to express itself, present itself? And another wee example of that here was the Triple Spire Labyrinth. I had never planned on creating a labyrinth on the land. That It just wasn't, wasn't in my thought process at all. And gradually, those days of walking the land, it was, I just, a labyrinth kept coming up. And at the time we were doing walking meditations all around Ireland, there was a group of us who met once a month to, to walk in various locations. Um, and it was about walking these patterns onto the earth. And, you know, a lot of the labyrinths are foreign design. So for me, it had to be a, a triple spiral. It needed to be Celtic. And that was the symbol that I was seeing. So there was a huge triple spiral labyrinth created out on the land because that's what the land asked for. <laughs> yeah. But there's the things, you know, if we listen and, and see what presents. I love that. And I love that you said the word, it's reciprocal. Because that is, to me, required in the definition of a relationship. We are relating back and forth, give and take, giving, receiving. It's two-way. And, of course, another key word, listening, it means that we, we listen at least as much as we talk. You know, and maybe even more would be better at most times. You know, and this is so important because it, it's just a whole way of being that, and I found, Moya, that it's what really gives us the deep peace we're all looking for. You're not going to really find that feeling, at least I haven't, really in, in any other way. Because it's like, that's where we're from. That is our home. That is the source. And nature is the, is the provider of, of that feeling for all of us. That's why we, you know, that now that popular term, you know, uh, nature deficit disorder. And it's, uh, many doctors are prescribing kids and adults to spend time in nature, forest bathing. I mean, all these things are now getting more respect of, we have to go home, to, home to home, home to our source to reconnect and heal and, and feel, right? Absolutely. Um, and just, you know, I have often pondered over the years, like, how did we ever get to this state that we're so disconnected? You know, even from, like, we've commodified everything, like buying and selling water. Do you know, yep. I, I just go, oh, my goodness, like, how did air, we get to this? In air. I mean, the, you know, farmers fight over air rights and, uh -huh. you know, the crops being, yes. blowing the pesticides uh -huh. to the next guy. I mean, we're, we're saying, well, you don't own the air. Like, what? Yeah. How do we yeah. own an element? Absolutely. And even with land here in, in, you know, I don't consider myself an owner of this land. I'm a guardian for this moment in time. Love um, it. And I think we have to be careful, you know, of, of the language we use around it, too, because it's so, so important. Um, there's another way example just might be worth sharing, Amy, with you, just of that listening piece, because 
you know, it was one of the big learnings for me here and, and just an ancestral piece for me as well. Um, but I wanted to have a fire pit on the land and I saw fire on the land. Um, but I was wandering around the land, you know, I sort of said, well, where, where do you want it? Where, where is it going to be? Um, and there was one area that I kept getting drawn to. And if you sort of knew this land, it's in the least likely place that you would put a fire pit. Like it's away from our community area. It's away from our picnic area where we gather and, and eat. And <laughs> it's away from everything. And it's sort of on a, on a natural pathway through the land. It was on an old vegetable bed. And I was like, oh, I can't. Being the human in me was going, yeah. Oh, not here, not here. You know, I was going, it would be better here. And it's like, no. <laughs> and eventually I thought, Moya, just listen. So we cleared the vegetable lead that was in the area and a fire pit was created out of natural stone that was here on the land. Wow. Um, and then a few months later, the gentleman who used to live in this cottage was an archaeologist. And he came back and he went out to that area and he said, this is where we found the remains of the Fulopfia. Fulakfia is a Bronze Age cooking pit here in Ireland. So we're wow. talking about four to five thousand years ago. Our ancestors sat in this very location around a fire. Wow. And I thought, oh, for me, it was like, gosh, just one of those moments. Confirmation. Of confirmation, affirmation, and just the big lesson. Just listen. Get, get the head out of the way and just Love listen. It. Um, and it was beautiful. But for me, it was one of those moments as well. If we think of the ancestral lineage, like 5,000 years ago, people were sitting there and it makes me feel both so insignificant and very significant because I think it's that duality that we are with. Do you know, in the greater scheme of things, we're here for a blink of an eye. And what memory am, am I going to leave? You know, I often ask myself, like, we're the ancestors of the future. So what memories will we leave? What imprints on this land will someone down the road listen to in the future? And I hope they will hear kind and happy messages rising up from little Moya that was here at some stage. <laughs> I love that. We are ancestors of the future. Can you tell us what listening feels or looks like for you? Just so the the viewers and the, the listeners of the show can because like you said, we all live in our head. I mean, part of the reason why I named the show Awakening Aphrodite was to get out of my head that I lived the whole first half of my life completely driven, masculine, like do, 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 go, 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 to, you know, listen and all that and feel and bring all the rest of myself online. So what can you help us for the person like, what is she talking about listening? Like, what does that kind of mean to you or what do you do? For me, listening is is a sensory experience. So I'm I'm clairsentient in my intuitive abilities. So I feel things in my body, or I might see like images. Um, I very rarely hear words. It's more, you know, the images and the feeling in my body. Um, and for me, I suppose the greatest teachers in in that respect have been my animals. You know, the animals that I work with. I listen to animals as as part of my work. Um, and that has given me, you know, I'm blessed in a way because it has affirmed the messages that I'm receiving. Because if an animal can show me that their left front leg is sore and their owner confirms it, you know, immediately I sort of go, okay, I am. I'm, I'm getting this. I'm hearing it. I'm feeling it. I'm sensing it. 
So I'm blessed in a way that that has been my background as well. So I have the assurity in knowing that I'm hearing correctly in, in want of a better word. Um, but the other thing, like it, it's a very deep sensory feeling. I have to be really aware of my thought process because if our minds are engaged, inevitably our mind is, is putting some slant or angle or viewpoint on what we're feeling even. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it's very much about having a blank mind. Um, and I'm good at doing that. I daydream a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there are practices, of course, that can help us. You know, many, many years ago, probably 25, 30 years ago now, I would have learned meditation. Um, and that was one of those things. I, I did it because I was working in accident and emergency in a very stressful job. But the knock-on effect, the more I advanced in my meditation, I realized that space that you can be in. Um, a space of presence and a space... For, for me, particularly, say, when I'm working with animals, it's, a, it's about being agenda free. So I'm not going with an agenda. And likewise, when I'm communicating or listening to the land, I have to let go of my own agendas, my own wants, my own desires, and be willing to sort of go, OK, let's put those aside for a moment and just really listen. And as I say, for me, it's a sensory, it's a feeling. I feel things in my body. I feel tension, I feel the, the emotions, I feel lots of different things. But I say, I don't, you know, I'm not unique in that. We all have our own sensitivities and we can develop them further by our practices. You know, and often people ask me, you know, why, why do we do our practices like our meditation, like our disciplines, our yoga, our Pilates or whatever it is that works for us. It might be a creative practice. Um, and I say, we do it to you know, disengage the brain a little bit and allow our bodies to feel and be more expressive and expansive. Um, and that's the piece that's important. I'm sure you may have something to add there, Amy, as well about that. Oh, How do yeah. we be in that space? Yeah. I love that, Moya, all of that. Um, well, you know, in, in uh, yoga originated as a way to get the body kind of okay and feeling good and operating good to be able to access the higher spiritual realms, as you know. So, yeah, and, um, you know, I'm into holistic and, you know, the mind, body, spirit, the whole thing. We can't, we can't eliminate or ignore any part of that triad. You know, they're all required. Um, but for me, I definitely, the, the communication is muddy if I'm not feeling well or I'm tired. So there you go, you know, or, or, uh, I'm hungry even because you're, you're just distracted, you know. Um, but I found for me the communication, and I want to talk about your work with sound. Sound helps a lot um, in that either no sound, right, complete silence, um, or certain, you know, harmonics. Um, I have this beautiful thing called the core harmonizer, which uh, it's like a brain frequency wave thing. It's, it's like I posted it on my social media. I opened the, my sliding screen door. It's in my kitchen. And it's like wild kingdom around here. I get birds. I get bunnies. I mean, like all the creatures, like they love my dog. I love it. It's just changed my life. So I'm a big fan of sound. So what I'm getting at is sometimes I'll just play stuff like that. And I just sit quietly and I yeah. watch nature. You know, it's uh, I think it was called silent hunting. You just right. you just sit and watch. 
quietly and I just try to learn and observe what's there. And then sometimes, Moya, let me know what you think about this. Sometimes while I'm doing that, I have a thought and then like a, like a red cardinal will just pew, right in front of me. And I'll be like, was that affirmation of that thought? Like, what do you, what do you think about that kind of thing? Absolutely. Particularly cool. when we're in that space. Okay. Yeah. You know, and I, I call that a very, I call it a centered space. Do you know, it's, it's where you can be very still yet grounded mm-hmm. and embodied. Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes we think we need to be out of our body to have the spiritual experience. And I, you know, over the years I've let all of that go. It's not, it's about having the spiritual experience in body. I love um, that. So very mm-hmm. embodied. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have to observe what's happening around us. The one that I smile about here is like when I'm outside and I like trip or bump into something, it's like, what were you thinking of just then? You know, because those moments are yeah. like the nudge. That's great. <laughs> Um, I think the observation piece, you know, over here in Europe, we would speak a lot about having a sixth spot. And that's about going to the same spot on a regular basis. Some people, it's a daily routine or some people, it might be weekly or monthly or whatever. Mm-hmm. But being in the one spot and observing what's happening around you. Um, and I think yes, that, I've heard you know, that before, too. It's like a, it creates a power spot almost. Yes. Yeah. But it also... It, tunes in the observational piece because we're in a space that we're very familiar with and yet things are changing and we're noticing different things um for me here living on the land it has been beautiful to notice the seasonal changes um so at different times of the year that the land asks something different of me but also offers something different the other thing that i really take notice of amy is um plants that haven't been here before that suddenly appear um and to me they're okay i start looking at that we plant and the medicinal properties of that we plant because i really believe that if we live in harmony and relationship that the earth beneath us will actually provide exactly what we need um so there are plants there this land is covered in medicinal plants and at different times of the years, there's ones that are very appropriate, like in springtime, the nettles and the cleavers are out that help with detoxing the system and getting things moving again. Um, you know, so there is, we, we can work in harmony that way too, by, you know, working energetically with the plants, but also in a medicinal way, you know, of, of, and I'm not herbalist trained, but with research and doing it safely you can make your teas with the plants that appear and then you're getting a full body experience of that plant yeah yes and i've been studying herbology and and it's fascinating for me to even have the concept so foreign to us in our modern fancy culture that you know to that it's a good idea to eat the plants and the animals and the things, not only seasonally, of course, which I think most people know about, but which of course doesn't happen with all our modern, you know, fancy grocery stores that you're getting, you know, avocados from California in the winter or whatever. Um, but it's important to the land around you and the plants around you and all that in the, in the bacteria and the fungus and all that from the soil where you live is important to harmonize with your body rather than getting it shipped to you from China Absolutely. or something that doesn't really, wouldn't normally be around you if you, this was a couple hundred years ago. Yeah. And I really believe that our, on a cellular level, our bodies respond to those native and those local 
those plant matter. Um, and a wee example of that now, it's it's in language, but it, it was another wee lesson for me here. When we planted the first 200 trees here on the land, um, because we planted them in winter, they're bare, so they've no leaves on them. So I had wee labels, you know, the plant labels, and I had wee labels on them of all their names, but I had it in English. And as you said at the start, I'm the daughter of a forester. I know my trees. I've grown up with trees. I could identify trees. I couldn't. They just wouldn't lodge in my brain the names of the trees. I, I'd go down there and I wouldn't have a clue what it was. So I just thought, what is going on here? Um, and one day I just said, right, what, what is going on? And the trees very kindly said, give us our correct names. I thought, okay, so it took me a wee moment and I went, ah, because I had planted it as an ohm woodland. Ohm is a very old language here, a form of writing here in Ireland, sort of lines and dashes, and all the ohm lettering corresponds to our native trees. So a particular letter corresponds to a particular tree. So I thought, okay, I'm going to label them in the old Irish language of the ohm um, trees and within days of doing that I knew I went down there and I went now I know them and it was like yeah now you know us because you've given us the correct names and they started growing well, they, well they, yeah they were I was going to say they were growing anyway but it was yeah but the interesting piece for me was I couldn't remember who they were until I had assigned them their names in their own language wow. and for me that's even the trees on this land resonate to the language of this land, the language of our ancestors that that yeah was was here. Do you know this is the old Irish language, um, and it was just one of those entering pieces where I just at that moment of connecting again that, you know, on a on a cellular level or even on a memory level on a you know that we resonate on the land on which we're situated. And both in sound and language and in the plants, as you were saying there, by that we eat those plants um, and work with those plants. Yeah. I love that. And, uh, well, you know, sound is energy. So they're identifying with that actual frequency, whatever it may be. Uh, and you work with sound, right? Tell us about how you're, you're, you do that. How do you incorporate that in your work? Actually, maybe you just want to maybe you just want to tell people what your work really is. I know it's in it was in the introduction, but if you want to just talk a little bit about yeah. that and expand on that. No, I wouldn't say I incorporate sound. Okay. You know, I sort of mm -hmm. yeah, I incorporate sound into other things that I do. Now, mm -hmm. my main work at the moment is is my animal work. So it's that deep listening piece that I call. So people would contact me to if they're, you know, whether it be mostly horses that I work with, but horses, dogs and cats or any animal. So if there was maybe an area of unidentified injury so that they couldn't quite figure out where their animal was sore um, or if there are behavioral issues. So I will work with people in those and I always work with the animal and the animal's person. I don't see it as separate. Again, it's a relationship. Yeah. And um, so it's about working with both together. Um, here, you know, I also offer individual sessions for people who come and see me. And, you know, I can't even label those, Amy. If you ask me, well, it's not one thing anymore. So it's it's all of my learning and experience and knowledge to this point in time. I, I bring it all in. So we do bring in sound. We bring in energy healing, you know, the some shamanic work. I use aromatherapy. We go out on the land and we, you know, see what the land wants to, to say for us too. 
Um, and then in terms of groups, I work with people. I used to work in palliative care and I work, um, I offer a soul's journey home retreat, which is working with the energy of death, which may sound a little bit unusual, but it has been the most beautiful and transformative of experiences for people. Um, I also continue to teach Reiki because for me, it's one of the simplest introductions to energy. Um, and it's a beautiful way of starting being aware of energy in our lives and starting to access that and utilize it for our own benefit and for our own healing um, and for the healing of others around us. All right. Let, let, let's get into your, your work with death. Cause this is a big one because uh, it's, uh, it's something. And I wanted to ask you, Moya, why do you think humans fear death so much when most people think that we're returning to source. So if we're going back to where we came, regardless of, you know, what you think of God particularly or the, you know, individual religion, why would we be afraid of that? My experience is that, that people don't actually believe that they're going back to source. They don't have an idea of source, Amy. Mm. Um, and I feel lucky wow. to have the, the concept and the experience of source that I do um, because I'm aware of a, a, a frequency and an energy beyond my physical being. I'm, I'm quite comfortable in that realm. Um, but many, many people don't have that. And they don't actually have any experience of source or what is source? You know, that, right. that lifelong right. question, who mm -hmm. is God? What is God? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, I, I struggle a little bit here in, in some of the religious terminology. You know, there's there's a lot of prayers, even the I'm not worthy, please forgive me. Yeah, so sinners. starting from a baseline of, yeah, I'm not worthy to enter heaven or to enter source. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's we've got it all back to front. It's like, mm -hmm. here I am, welcome home. You know, it's, yeah, it's to home. me, that's what it feels like. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's the piece. And and plus it's, you know, we, we don't have the experience. I know we have some people who have the near-death experiences who maybe come back and tell us what it was like. But in general, once you're dead, you're dead. So there's nobody coming back and saying, listen, lads, it's okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> and True. we have difficulty. We have difficulty going beyond our physical and saying, okay, if this physical body goes, what's left of me? Now, for me, this physical body is probably the least bit of me. You know, everything else is just so much more. Yeah. That's beautiful. And and you had a near-death experience, though. So how, tell us about that, almost drowning as a child. I mean, and how did that impact your concept of death and life and your work? It's interesting, Amy, because, you know, I had that experience. Now, I remembered it, but it wasn't relevant to me until, you know, probably quite recently in years. Wow. But when I think back on it, it was so formative. But it isn't something that sort of stuck with me from that moment in time. It was later that I've had huge impact. I almost drowned in a swimming pool, but I was sitting on the bottom of the pool. I had gone beyond that fight. You know, I was sitting there. My hair was floating, there was bubbles just coming out of my mouth, but the overwhelming was, it just overwhelming sense of peace. I was totally at ease, totally at peace. There was no fear, there was no drama, there was no fight. It was just, this is beautiful. 
Um, now I was I was pulled off the bottom of the pool, thankfully. So I'm still here today. Um, but as I say, at that moment in time, and even for years after it, you know, it obviously lodged somewhere subconsciously. But in my conscious memory, it wasn't at the latter years that that made a significant impact on me. That it was like, gosh, yeah, I, I know that sense of peace when we let go. Well, I think that uh, that's 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 amazing. Very inspiring and comforting but i think to, to to my question about you know the whole fear of death thing yes it's a huge mystery right like you said nobody nobody comes back alive but on bump you know so how do we really know but we don't in our culture we don't really have a uh, like a sense of reverence for the cycle of life you know, the Ouroboros, the symbol of the snake eating its tail, you know, the ancient symbol. And, the you know, that there's life, there's death, and there's rebirth. There's the three, the three, not the one, not the life. There's the three. So I perhaps because collectively we don't really wrap our guts around, okay, this is happening, the circle, the cycle, you know, that's probably part of it, um, whereas you know, older cultures did understand all that, you know. And I was going to say our older culture here in Ireland would have been very strong in those cycles and that mm. cyclical of, of, you know, the death and rebirth. Mm -hmm. In the Ohm language that I was speaking about, the yew tree represents death and rebirth. They're both ah. together. You mm -hmm. know, there's birth for new beginnings, but there's death and rebirth are all one. So mm -hmm. it's not one separate entity. Um, and I think that's the beauty of the work that, you know, that I'm doing with death is, you know, introducing people, giving space to allow us to really look at death. Um, and, you know, originally it, it stemmed from my palliative care colleagues wanting something a little bit experiential, wanting to go beyond the theoretical, you know, idea of death. They wanted to feel it and experience it for themselves. So when I sat with that, you know, and after we did our first weekend together, it was a residential weekend that we did first. The overwhelming sense from everybody was there that death changed their whole approach to life because of having looked at death. And, you know, sort of I say walking with death on my shoulder, like at every moment, this might be my last breath. And that has a way of honing everything. Do you know what's important in life? What's relevant? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It gives huge perspective and great perspective. Um, and, and when we do that piece, then we sort of arise with, with brighter eyes going, you know, and lots of people from those weekends, they couldn't continue living the way that they were living. You know, because recognizing, yes, death is going to come. And, you know, for any for any of us, it could be any moment. Um so what's important in my living? And that's how I see like death walking through my life with me, you know, my constant companion, friend and guide, you know, with every step. And that then for me makes every step precious and sacred because it may be my last. Every breath precious and sacred. Um, and I regularly ask myself, you know, if I was to die right now, how would that be? And if I can say, yeah, that'll be okay, that'll be fine, great. If I go, oh, no, not now, not yet, that's my wee signal. There's work to be done. There's mm -hmm. something not at ease in me or there's something, you know, that I have to, to resolve within myself. Um, 
So yeah, I think it's useful to do, to work with death in that way. Or, you know, if we had a month left to live, how would we spend that month? Who would we choose to be with us in that month? How, what would we like to do? What would we like to be? What sounds would we like to hear? You know, we, we explore all of that in, when we're working with death. You know, those last sounds, what last sounds would you like to hear? Yeah. Powerful. You know, in the, the ancient Greek gods and mythology, the gods were jealous of humans because the humans died and the gods just lived eternally. So they actually were jealous of the humans because death is what gives life value, right? Like you said, we never know. No one ever really knows. And I think, um, you know, another thing just on that theme, particularly when we were starting out maybe in our spiritual practices, we always thought that spirit was far greater than this physical body. And I've sort of come to realization now spirit in body is far more great and powerful than just spirit or body alone. You know, it, it's the combination of the two. Like how amazing is it that spirit through us can have these physical and human experiences and create with these physical bodies? You know, it's absolutely wonderful. And I think that's part of the evolutionary piece too. That's another I love that. I'm so glad you said that. So tell us about some of the Celtic traditions. Uh, most of my audiences in America, um, we are not very familiar with all that. And obviously America is a virtually young country compared to others. We don't have an, and just modern life, we're just losing our traditions. We certainly don't have our rites of passage and our rituals yeah. like we used to. So yeah. share with us some of the more prominent Celtic traditions and rituals that, that you're, that you practice or grew up with, or you think people should know. I, you know, again, I think where we were lost here in Ireland as well, Amy, you know, they were in our memories and they were sort of spoken about, but they're only now starting to be renewed and regenerated, which is brilliant. Now, sort of with that cyclical piece again, we work on the Celtic cyclical calendar where we have the sort of eight key days as we go through the year. My favourite time of the year is Samhain, and that's, you know, it would be equivalent of Halloween. Um so for, for me, Samhain, and, and here in Ireland, it's very much one of those liminal places, those threshold places. So it's an in-between. <laughs> and I, you know, me personally, I love that in-between spaces because they're a moment in time where maybe you're not one thing or another and you have the potential to be anything and everything or whatever you want, whatever you choose. So for me, those threshold moments are really, really important in life. Um, and a lot of our Celtic festival are those thresholds because they're moving from one time of the year to another. Um, and here in Samhain, we would see, you know, that threshold space as we talk about it, the veils between worlds thing. So it's like that we can reach out to the other world as if we're just reaching out. Um, and it's as real as this physical world. I think that's an important piece. Here in Ireland, you know, we, we are grounded in that, that the other world is, is a reality. It's not something imaginary or, yeah, that, that we can't access. The other world is right here with us right now. Um, but, you know, at that Samhain time that we can reach out, we can reach through the veils, we can see through the veils, um, some of the customs here was, you know, that the our ancestors, so we could communicate with our ancestors at that moment in time. So 
there would be an extra place setting set at the dinner table for the ancestors to come and feast. Some people would leave feast offerings on the land, so food would be brought out to the land for the ancestors and the spirits that may be present on that night. Um, yeah, and then, you know, Samhain is one of the fire festivals. A lot of our festivals are fire festivals, so there would be big outdoor fires at that time of year as well. Um, so yeah, there's, as I say, and there's, you know, they're very seasonal, so they sort of correspond to the, the seasons as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that you've mentioned a key component is because of the, the perception of the, th- the thinning of the veil between our material life and world and the spiritual. And you know, the same thing happens at dusk and dawn, as you know. And uh, I don't know if you're, if you're uh, engaged in plant medicines or any kind of healing journeys and ceremonies, but that's certainly what happens during those um, you know, that veil is like, you actually realize that's, which is part of why I think they're so powerful that, wow. I mean, like there's so much more, like, I mean, everything that we're living in our, our, you know, flesh and blood reality, re- reality in quotes, um, is just the tip of the iceberg of what's right there right now even in front of us that our limited human perceptions can't even see like everyone you know with materialism and scientific nature of of our culture you know if we can't taste it touch it feel it measure it you know radiate it whatever it doesn't exist but we know that when you go into these other realms and engage in the spirit world it's real baby let me tell you it is real and it's just that our perception doesn't pick up on it in the everyday yes and for me you know uh, my energy senses and my energy world that that spiritual realm for me it's almost more real than the physical because there you know what i spoke about there's, there's that lessening of the agenda, there isn't the influences that we experience in the physical realm. So it's more truthful, it's more honest, it's more real. More simple. We see things, absolutely. Yeah. We see things more clearly, you know, the things that are important are clear, the things that are not important are clear. So, you know, there's a clarity and an honesty and truthfulness there that I really appreciate. Yeah. And I'll add too, just for the audience, that that's something that you develop too. Like just, and I'd love to have you tell us, Moya, your suggestions on how people can start, you know, getting that connection, that contact. But I'll just say that it's something that just, you know, by doing it, you cultivate it more and more. And then I think, as you mentioned earlier in the show, you get affirmation, confirmation of it, which gives you confidence oh, this is how it works for me. And then that's like a ripple effect. It's a snowball. It builds on itself. So any thoughts on that or tips for people to establish their own connection? Because I also love that you said that everybody can do this. Absolutely. I'm big into, you know, a lot of the work that I do is about presence and movement. Um, And I call that moving, moving energy. Um, And I think a key piece here is find what moves you. And by what moves you, I'd say, what brings that maybe sense of awe? You know, for some, it might be noticing a sunset. For some, it might be a piece of music that they hear, that they all go, oh, my goodness. You know, it moves you. So it moves something within you. That's so the emotionally. That okay. Absolutely. On mm-hmm. a sensory, emotional, visceral level, though sometimes right. even on a physical level. Um, and for every, I think this is where we got a wee bit lost. It's not going to be one thing for everybody. 
everybody's going to have their one thing that works for them Mm -hmm. and it's putting a wee bit of effort into finding that so find what moves you and keep inviting those moments into your life now there are beautiful practices like our yoga like our meditation like our energy practices um you know there's a whole host in that way that can really help that we can learn techniques that help us to come into this state of being Um, and i say state of being even my practices now it's not about doing it's about being so I, I don't do Same. meditation. I be I be that essence of it. I don't do my healing work. I be, you know, the energy of the healing. Um, so it's about taking that one step further. And that's true practice. You know, so we do have to put in the, the, the work and we do have to do our bit of practice. But, you know, one of the easiest ways that I have found is what moves you. You know, and I sit with that with people. What moves you? What inspires you? What brings you all? What gives you those creative ideas? Why do you lose yourself? Because that's the state of being that we're trying to achieve. Because in that state of being, we can notice and we can listen and we can hear. And we've energy. I, you know, the, the root of the word enthusiasm is in theos, in, which is in God, with God, as being inspired, inspiration, spirit within. So yeah. what you're saying is, is that's, Nothing is going to give you more energy than that. I mean, that passion that drives you. And then it also is when you're working out of love, because yes. love is the most powerful force there is. And Absolutely. if you're working out of love, your energy is endless. I mean, think of a mother getting up at all hours of the night with her kid. I mean, how do you do it when she's not sleeping? You know, it's like because she, she loves her kid. She somehow does it. Or the person who lifts the car off the baby who gets, you know, hit by a car or whatever. Like, what? These acts of strength. Love is just the most powerful force. So what, what I hear you saying is you're tapping into what moves you, what really sets your heart on fire, what you're passionate about, Absolutely. and follow that. And I think then the other one for me, which has been key, is nature. You know, when I get out in nature, mm. it just it, things dissolve, you know, Same. the sort of the, the, the irrelevant things. Yeah, they dissolve, they soften, they melt away. And then it's about being in nature and recognizing, you know, that reciprocal piece is so important to me and so near to my heart, because I really believe that we we have to stop using and utilizing and now start being the guardians of this earth and nature and the planet. Because if we don't do that, you know, the ancestors of the future will have failed the following generations because there won't be this beautiful earth. That's the the key piece that won't be this beautiful earth. Our food supplies, they won't be present. You know, so I I think we forget of the knock-on effects of all the little things that we do. And the bigger picture is that, you know, Mother Earth needs us now as, you know, these intelligent human beings to really step up and to act as that guardian, you know, and we can all do it in small ways in our lives wherever we live. Um, and just, you know, using our buying power, our buying choices to influence what the industries and manufacturers are doing. Because if there isn't a, a, an audience for something, it's not going to be produced. Um, so I think that's, you know, for me, nature is just sacred. Um, and it brings so much for me in that sense of source. Um, 
and it feeds us and nurtures us and puts shelter over our heads and food on our table and all of that. Yeah. And we are the earth. We're made from the same, we came from the earth. I'm so glad you said that about, you know, voting with your dollar, so to speak, because that's the only thing, that's part of why the whole organic movement has increased and you can get organic stuff in Walmart now. Who would have thought 10 years ago? I mean, you would have laughed if someone said that. It's because of the buying power. So, you know, unfortunately, the voting political system is, you know, completely bought and paid for. So you can't really vote, vote the person that you, you know, it's about where you're spending your money. And I'm so glad you said that. And I will also add, I think, to be mindful of our consumption and our waste. Like, how much are you wasting? It's just amazing to me how much, I don't know why I have this thing about wasting food. I sometimes even eat food that probably shouldn't, it should throw it away, it's gone bad. But I just have such, I just, I don't know, I just think there's so much excess and people, even, you know, dumb stuff, like leaving all the lights upstairs on when you're downstairs, like watching a TV show, like, you know, save, conserve, it's not endless, you know, these Absolutely. resources are not infinite, yes. you know, so where you're buying, what you're buying, being more mindful of your consumption, like, do you really need all that or, you know, and, and Absolutely. being wasteful. Yeah. If everybody I, did that, would make a difference. It would, it would. I think as well, you know, we feel we don't have the power and control, but if if everybody was to do a little bit, it would have a huge impact. You know, and often I sit here and you can sometimes get a wee bit disillusioned and you think, gosh, it's a drop in the ocean, but yep. I'll do it. Mm. But it's like if everybody did a little piece, exactly, it would have a huge, huge impact. Um, and the other thing, you know, that, that annoys me, just as you're speaking there, Amy, it's it's you know, even our governments and they're setting targets for like 2025 and 2030. And it's like, no, it is now. It is yeah. now that we need to make the changes. Oh my God. Um, yeah. It's I mean, not shoving it down the road. You know, they've been talking about this for decades. I mean, I read the other day that I think since uh, 1971, 60% of all species are extinct. Yes. I mean, like this is happening, you know, the amount of drinkable water on there on the planet is like less than 1%. Yeah. And we're going to have water wars soon, you know? Yeah. I mean, who would have thought water would be more than gas? Like, although right now with Ukraine, it's kind of nuts. But, uh -huh. you know, it's, it's, this is real. This is real, folks. You know, this is really real. But I love what you said that if everybody just does a little bit more mindful just a little bit that adds up. I mean, look what happened with the pandemic when the whole world shut down and people weren't commuting to work. All uh -huh. of a sudden, Mother Earth could breathe. Yes. You know, not all the exhaust and everything. And you know, it 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 matters. Yeah. And yeah. I think what was an eye opener for me in that is, you know, things that our government said were never possible. Like we couldn't possibly ground airlines. Like that was never. And all of a sudden, it was possible. Yeah. And I thought, you know. It, and, you know, climate is an emergency. You say there that you COVID go. was an emergency. Climate is an emergency, too. Um, if you can't breathe, it's an emergency, right? If, you, if you're if you dying of dehydration because you can't go more than, what, three days without water? Yeah. And, and the government also says it's not possible to feed people biodynamically on mass scale or regenerative agriculture. And it is. Of course it is. It's, it's, it is. I mean, they've, they've proven it time and time again. The yield is actually higher. It so. is. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any messages as we get to the end here, uh, Moya, that you feel that maybe the land or the animals you work with want people to know? 
Yeah, interesting. Um, what has been coming up a lot with animals recently is acceptance. Mm. And I know that may sound unusual, but oftentimes we are trying to help or heal or fix. And it's very much our agenda. And what, what I notice just energetically, if we come into a space of acceptance, so accepting and loving an animal as they are right now, immediately lessens the pressure and tension to be the something different. Because really the message we're giving is that they're not good enough, that they're not perfect, that they need to be more, they need to do more. And I'm not saying that we don't strive to help you know, or to make things better, but we do it from a place of a bit of letting go, of accepting and loving as you are now and offering alternatives if that animal so chooses. You know, they have a choice as well. So if they so choose, um, and they very often do once we release the pressure and tension. And I feel that that has carried into then my healing work. It informs my healing work because it's not about fixing or helping or curing. It's never about that. It's about seeing the beauty of that person sat before you and allowing them to see that through your being um, so that they experience that love and compassion that you can see. Um, so that has been that has been huge. And I think the earth, I just see the earth is so forgiving. That's the piece that I just, I'm always in awe of and so humble of. Because despite all that we have done to earth, it just, every year it tries more and more and renews and yeah, come on, we'll invite you in, we'll welcome you in, we'll, we'll relate with you and have this beautiful relationship with you and provide for you. So that sort of forgiveness, forgiveness is huge from the earth. Hence and I the really term believe Mother Earth. Mother, Mother Earth. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Mother. I believe Mother Earth will be fine if if humans step up. Or otherwise we'll be stepping off and the <laughs> earth will renew itself. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> we'll be, like it's we'll done be before. Yeah, mm -hmm. we'll be diminished and disappearing, and then the earth will renew and re reflourish. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So what I hear you saying is basically unconditional love and that acceptance, you're accepting. And what I've learned in my animal study work um, and animal communication work too is that, uh, like, you, I'm glad you said that because, you know, animals have their own will. And sometimes, like, almost like people probably, and, you, you know, your work with death is people that are staying alive for someone else because someone else isn't ready to let them go or whatever. I've heard endless stories of people walking into hospice, a room on someone's, you know, deathbed and, and they actually say it's okay to go. And then, you know, the next night they're gone. And, um, I'll tell you too, Moya, that, you know, my little dog, oh, she's just my little spirit guide. She's just, I call her my heart with fur on it. She's, uh, going to be hope she can't hear me. She's going to be, <laughs> she's going to be uh, 14 in two months. And um, I can tell she's, you know, she's starting to show signs. And I just, I ripped my guts out. And I'm like, oh, God, please, I hope we have at least another five years together. And then I'm like, I shouldn't put that pressure on her. You know, like, she, I want her here for me. Like, that's so selfish. You know, I mean, maybe you have some advice for me because I have to be, you know, she has to yeah. live her life and I don't want her to have that pressure. 
But I think I, just a wee story is coming to mind. Mm. My One of my cats, Ash, they're beautiful long-haired black cats, Ash and Willow, they're two twins. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ash, when she was very young, maybe she was only about two, but she got a real nasty abdominal wound. Um, and she wasn't well. You know, we went through months and in and out to vets and... I, it was the big lesson for me because I was doing so much to keep this cat alive, you know, and she was, yeah, she was miserable. And there was one day we just sat together and it was that piece. I said, Ash, if this is your time to go, I am doing no more. I'm not going to interfere anymore. If you are going to die, you're free to die. And within days, she turned a corner and never looked back since. And she's still, she's like, oh, she lived. And she lived. Oh, wow. She lived. And that for me was the big piece of just wow. letting go. Uh-huh. Allowed her then to just, it, it's that tension and pressure. That's how I feel it energetically when we're holding on to something. It's like we're suffocating it when right. we're holding on so tightly. Right. Um, so when I just mm. took it and I went, okay, whatever. When I, Gave her permission when I released and let go. It allowed her to just go, oh, now I can heal. Now I can do what I need to do. And she had a big burst. The abscess, her tummy burst open. It all drained out. Oh. And she was fine after that. That's an incredible story. Well, you know, like the Buddha talks about uh, the root of suffering is attachment. So what we're talking about is that tension in, in me attached to Char- Charlotte, my dog. You know, it's like that 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 grasping and clinging, you know, that attachment, it has to be this way, or you have to stay with me, or even in a relationship, I'll die without you. It's like, yeah, that's suffocating. And it just, it it prevents the flow of energy, not to mention the respect of free will of other things. And then, you know, I think it is having the conversations with my old dog, Luna, she passed last year mm. um, and she was put to sleep in the end. But I had a long conversation with Luna over many months and years um and it's actually i wrote a little bit about it in the blog on my website yes i saw um, that mm-hmm. yeah she i i just think if we can have even the conversations with our animals and sit with them and say you know someday you will die and how would you like that to be for you like mm-hmm. what would they choose like giving them the options and that deep listening piece again shutting down our thoughts yeah. not what we want to hear no mm-hmm. agenda blank mind and really listen to what what they want and you know many many animals they're quite happy they they gracefully deal with elder years and old age and they're quite happy to slow down once they have a good quality of life and to potter along and Mm -hmm. you know we just adapt and adjust some animals don't want that but the majority are quite happy once they have a reasonable quality of life they seem to know, okay, this aging is part and we're going to face into that aging too. And I just wish that I can age as gracefully as some of the animals that I work with, you know, that we accept the the yes. aches and the pains and the slower pace of life and that we still find enjoyment in it. Um, and when our animals are doing that, and hopefully Charlotte still is, you know, that that then, yeah, it's, it's fine to be, but it's, the interesting piece for me is that the, the pressure tension piece that comes with the yes. attachment and the holding on and the clinging to something or wanting things a particular way. Um, because inevitably yes. it'll happen a different way. So let's let go of that and be open to all the other possibilities. Yeah. 
I love that, Moya. That is just sage advice, my friend. Brilliant. Is there anything else that's on your heart today that you want to share with our viewers and listeners? No, I think I'm I'm good. I'm just grateful because, you know, as I said to you before we started, Amy, I don't do a lot of like public speaking and, and talking like this, even podcasts, you know, they're not my realm. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for just the we invited to put my voice out into the world. So thank you, Amy. Well, it's even more of an honor now to have you on the show, hearing that you don't normally do shows anymore. So thank you for agreeing. And um, I just feel that your voice and your experience and your mindset needs to get out there because people need this. You know, it's not part of our modern culture to think, live, feel, exist this way. And this is what it's all about. We are nature. We're not in nature. We are nature. Yeah. We're part of nature. Yeah. And, and and like I mentioned in the beginning of the show, that that serenity, that peace, that real deep core feeling of connection, support, peace, knowing like you're not alone, all that, higher wisdom, what to do, like where to put your fire pit, whatever, you know, just that can't be found anywhere else, which is why I'm so glad you agreed to come on the show, Moya, because your work is all about that. So how can people find you and they can come work with you? They, they can yeah. work with you uh, virtually. So please share all that with us. Yeah, I do a lot of my work remotely now at the moment, particularly over the last two years. Mm -hmm. um, so my website is tranquilpaths.com. So www.tranquilpaths.com. And all the information is there and my contact information, Amy. Thank you. Yep. And all her different uh, workshops, you can go and, and be on site, see her beautiful cottage and her land and all that. Um, and that is all in the show notes, everybody. Um yeah, you know what I'll also add? I just love your blog post about when you buried your dog. That's yes. on your website too. It is. Super beautiful, yeah. that grave and that whole sharing with everyone, your process. That was a big part of why I wanted you on the show. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yes. Everybody go check that out um, yeah. and do contact Moya for more, um, just, you know, more of her sharing how she does it, you know, so, so we can do it too. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you, much, Moya. Thank you for being on Awakening Aphrodite. Brilliant. Thank you, Amy, for this space. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening and watching, everybody. If you enjoyed the show, you can support me by subscribing to the show, sharing it with someone you think it will help, and leaving a review. I will see you next time. Would you like to support my mission to help empower people all over the world to be all of who they truly are? If so, please subscribe to the show leave a review on iTunes, and share it with a friend. And if you're looking to take immediate action to align your energy and optimize your health, visit amyfournier.com. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite. Let's awaken her together in you. I'm your hostess, Amy Fournier, and I already can't wait to be with you again and for you to hear what I have planned for the next show. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. To learn more about Amy, check out her website, amyfournier.com. That's A-M-Y-F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R.com. You can also check out Amy's live and on-demand virtual fitness and yoga classes and sign up for her newsletter to receive a free mini ebook of three of her top tips for making holistic health a lifestyle. 
Again, that's amyfournier.com and get your ebook sent to your email immediately. Connect with Amy on the daily on Instagram at fitamytv, F-I-T-A-M-Y-T-V, and watch many of the podcast episodes and subtopic clips on her YouTube channel, which is also fitamytv. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite.